Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey, it's Heather from Compared to Who, and on today's podcast, I'm going to do something different because I want to introduce you to my book. So if you've already read the book, this may be a little repetitive, but it still might be fun to hear me read it in my own words. But if you haven't, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to read you the introduction and maybe a little bit of chapter one from my book with the hope that you will go check it out. Unfortunately, there's no audiobook option at this time. Hopefully, that'll be something that may come in the future, but for now, there's not. But I think that there's a lot in my book if you struggle with body image and comparison and you've read a lot of other books on body image. I think there's a lot in this book that may help you. And with New Year's coming, the holidays, we kind of all go crazy and then we think New Year's, we'll have New Year's resolutions, we'll start all over. I think this might just be the perfect thing for you to listen to before we end another year. So here it is. Without further ado, I'll be reading to you the introduction of Compared to Who. It's the first week of January. You pick the year. Every single year. Turn on your television this early in the month, and unless there's a freak blizzard, I promise you this. The weather will not be the lead news story. No, first and foremost, in every program's lineup, will be a segment on how you can improve your body this year. New year, new you. Lose the weight. Finally, this is your year. We eat it up. Maybe this is my year. On one mild January 2nd, I plopped myself down in front of the Today Show. Favorite purple coffee mug in hand, I waited with great anticipation for the special weight loss and your health segment to begin. Ooh, what will they tell me? What juicy weight loss or exercise tip will they give me to transform my life? Is paleo still the hottest diet? Or should I follow something better now? Are carbs bad and eggs good? Do I have that backwards? A surge of excitement rushed through me. Maybe it was just the coffee. Back from the commercial break, the segment began. Kids, keep it down, I yelled. Mommy needs to hear this. Quiet. Volume up, I settle in. Nice anchor banter. Hmm, cute dress. Good to see you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough with the small talk. Get to the good stuff. Some child's going to need a drink refill or a potty trip soon. I don't have all day here, people. Spill the hot secrets already. So, what should we do to meet our weight loss or health goals this year? The smiling host tossed the question to her guests like a hot potato. Finally, here it comes. This is going to be good. Where's my pen? Well, Savannah, 
The number one thing that people can do this year if they want to lose weight is to watch what they eat. If they consume only healthy, highly nutritious foods and then add some exercise to their daily routines, those unwanted pounds are going to melt right off. Are you kidding me? Did she really just say eat right and exercise? Wonk, wonk, wonk. What's your story? I know we just met and all, but I need to confess something. I struggled with my body image most of my life, and I tried just about everything out there I could think of, find, or afford to change it. Nothing ever worked. Until recently, that is, when God took me on a journey through my body image challenges and showed me, in ways that I never expected, how I could find true freedom and healing. But unlike the hype and letdown of a January 2nd news story, I hope to offer you something unexpected in the pages that follow. In fact, my goal is to completely change your perspective on the whole body image issue in ways you'd never even guess. I'm not going to just tell you it's what's on the inside that counts. This is, to me, the Christian equivalent of eat right and exercise. Instead, I want to motivate you to pursue a fresh level of freedom, one that stale cliches could never inspire. I weave my story into this book. I'll just be real. It's not amazing. I've never been a supermodel or even an average model. Although at age 18, I did get to wear a shiny beige pantsuit for a small town chamber of commerce fashion show. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. My tale exemplifies the ordinary. But for that reason, I hope you can relate. It's the testimony of how God helped me, a normal girl who believed, sometimes obsessively, that her life would be better if only she were more beautiful. When I write it out like that, it sounds pretty silly. How shallow of me, right? Like I'm turning pink from embarrassment as I type. Yet it's true. My thought life should have centralized around endeavors with greater meaning. But instead, I spent a lot of my mental energy and time pursuing a better body. If I could just be thinner, then I could be happy. Or so I believed. Perhaps the same holds true for you. Maybe you know your struggle. Maybe you've never admitted to anyone that your thought life orbits planets of worry over your size, shape, or appearance. It's possible that you know you wrestle discontentment with the mirror, but never knew what to call it. Here, we'll call it body image. This will be a safe space for us to talk about it. The good, the bad, and the I can't believe anyone else does or thinks that. We'll talk about it openly. Statistics show that most women engage in an internal war in this arena. If those stats are true, then there's a good chance you struggle too. I want you to know you have a friend right here who understands that battle. That's also how I hope you'll read this book, like advice from a friend who's been there and is navigating her way out. If you are weighed down with insecurity or feeling not good enough, or if your negative body image plagues you and impacts your ability to find peace and joy in other areas of life, I pray God will use this book to reveal his rescue plan to you. There is hope for victory in your personal battle to be beautiful. Your journey starts here when you ask this one question, compared to who? I'll read you chapter one right after this break. Click here to feel better. Chapter one, beauty does not make you happy. A size two does not solve your insecurity. The prettiest clothes and the shiniest hair in the nation is not the combination you need to stop being consumed with how you look. In fact, just the opposite may be true. That's a quote from Cameron Russell, Victoria's Secret model. Thigh dimples, belly pooch, saggy breasts, stretch marks. I love to see them. 
No, not on my own body. Yikes, of course not. That would be silly. I mean, I have them. We all do. Okay, most of us over the age of 19 bear at least one of these signs of fallen humanity. There are a few fortunate ones out there, but gravity will find them too, eventually. It always wins. There is one place where cellulite, love handles, and flab look fantastic. That's on the body of a celebrity. The better she appears on screen, the more so-called imperfections I want to see. Click here to see her ugly beach photos. Click here to see the unedited photo. Click here to see what she really looked like after she gave birth. Click here to see her without makeup. Sure, why not? Tabloids and gossip sites happily give us what we want. Blown up photos of celebrity flaws, circled in red ink like missed answers on a test. Did you ever wonder why we like to see them? Why we're happy to look at another woman's so-called body defects? I have a theory. I think it's because cellulite, deflated bosoms, and other flaws on the allegedly flawless affirm the average woman's existence, or mine at least. That is, they seem to. I expected clicking on those average photos would help my problem, make me feel better. Now, my perspective has changed. Supermodel letdown. During my formative years, our culture decided to set apart certain female specimens as emblems of beauty. This league of women stood out above all the rest. Literally, not only were they taller than the average girl, but they also had long legs and minimal body fat, allowing them to appear to tower over us all. These ladies weren't just models, but supermodels. Oh, how wonderful it would be to look like that, so the teenage me thought. It's been a few decades, so I'd be hard-pressed to name too many of them now, but one name I'll never forget is Cindy Crawford. I admired Cindy because, in an era where it seemed like being blonde meant being beautiful, she had brown hair. And so did I, until I figured out how to color it, at least. She also had a mole. That little brown dot on her face didn't seem to bother her a bit. Yet I had a mole about the same size on my wrist that I obsessed over. Cindy gave me hope. Maybe someday my mole could symbolize hotness, too. If only I could find a way to look more like Cindy Crawford. Fast forward a few decades to last month. I sat at my computer scrolling through Facebook when an intriguing photo of my former idol floated by. The picture showed what looked like an unretouched image of Cindy wearing black lingerie, a boa, and a magician-caliber top hat, a recent magazine cover that never made it to the editing department. In it, the supermodel appeared with belly flab, cellulite, and stretch marks. Her untoned thighs looked as dimply as mine. Were they touching in the middle? Her stomach bore the marks of pregnancy and age. I guess my stomach is okay if that's how Cindy looks. Fabulous! Cindy Crawford's cellulite made my day. I watched as the photo received an abundance of social media attention. I blog about body image. This wasn't lame. I prefer to call it research. More viral than the swine flu, millions shared the imperfect cover photo and applauded Cindy. What courage she has to let us see that she's real, some said. She's still gorgeous, but now we can all feel a little better about our normalness, others commented. She did it on purpose, they speculated. She wants to be a help for all of those struggling with the way they look. The supermodel offered a lifeline to the wave of women engulfed in negative body image, and everyone cheered. Until her husband got romantic, Cindy's husband... Rondé Gerber posted a picture of his love lying by the pool in an orange bikini. He captioned it, 
she got flowers, and I got her. So sweet. Except for one little detail. His Instagram post looked nothing like the leaked Mary Claire flabby photo from a few days earlier. There was no sign of stretched skin or dimpled flesh on that 49-year-old's body. What? Those other photos, it turns out, were fake. Someone airbrushed Cindy's body to look more regular. A cruel joke on those of us who seek affirmation from flabby celebrity photos. Cindy Crawford just may have a perfect body or a talented plastic surgeon. Comparison bites us in the cellulite again. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. compared to who. Can we just be honest? Even when real, those celebrity cellulite photos never actually satisfy. They draw you in, you look, and you seem to feel better for a few minutes. But like searching for comfort in chocolate chip cookie dough, an hour later, your stomach aches. That gut level unrest, that's called comparison. And comparison cures nothing. When you feel comparison surge inside, you better cue the Jaws music. Nana, 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 Comparison plays nice at first. Hey, you're doing just fine. The music gets louder. Nana, Nana. She lets us swim in contentment. The music gets even louder. Then, all of a sudden, boom! She finds someone doing better. Shows us how we don't measure up and yanks us underwater like a shark going for the kill. Her bite leaves a mark and she drowns us in shame. Comparison hurts. It hurts our relationships, our children, our marriages, and most of all, it hurts us. Comparison distracts us from our purpose while keeping us entangled in its petty contests. I never thought I'd write a book on this topic. Comparison's the one voice in your head you don't want anyone to hear. I'm thankful that only God has the superpower of reading our minds. I'd rather no one knew about the times I wondered if I wore a larger or smaller clothing size than someone else. I'd rather no one heard how my brain analyzed her hair or her clothing or her shape or her skin and then compared it to my own. That stuff is private and kind of embarrassing. Confessions of a Chronic Comparer Motherhood introduced me to a brand new realm of comparison. Admittedly, I compared myself to the other women around me long before a baby boarded my belly. But once I was with child, the opportunities to compare multiplied. 
I compared my weight gain to that of every other pregnant woman I knew, saw on TV, read about in a magazine, or heard someone else talk about. Sure, I understood it was healthy to gain, but deep down I wanted to know where I stood in my own imaginary competition where the skinniest pregnant woman wins. I compared others' custom nursery themes to my nursery-in-a-bag set from the Target clearance rack. I compared what strollers they bought, what birthing classes they took, and the cuteness of their maternity wardrobe. I thought pregnancy made me tired, but seriously, all that comparison proved just as exhausting. The baby arrived. Soon, keeping up in the game became even more complicated. Like a sponge, I absorbed every nugget of hearsay data on how other babies progressed. Her baby slept through the night? Her baby ate on a perfect schedule? Her baby sang the alphabet song at nine months old? Consumed with where my little guy fit into the mix, I panicked. He hadn't smiled. He hadn't rolled over. Sleeping? Yeah, that wasn't happening. Would he be slow? Was there a problem? Was I doing something wrong? Or worse, was I just a bad mom already? If comparison was a disease, I suffered chronically. I needed to stop, but I didn't know how. The mommy comparison game is rough, but it's not the worst. Of the many ways women can and do compare themselves, it's the physical comparisons that can cause the most damage. When we look at another woman's body, compare it to our own, and then decide that having a different build, hair, height, or weight would somehow be better, an internal war begins, a fight with our body image. My friend Sydney said she first felt the shark bite of comparison at six years old. She noticed her friend's legs were skinny while hers were thick and muscular. From there, her battle escalated. She fought condemnation. You should look better, eat better, and exercise more, echoed in her head all through her teen years. Shame told her she was unacceptable and that she'd have a hard time finding a boyfriend or a husband with legs like that. Can I tell you something difficult? If you saw a picture of Sydney, you wouldn't think her legs were large. At all. Sydney's problem was with her body image, not with her body. I've struggled in the same ways. In fact, I hesitate to share with you the depths of my depravity in the body image arena. Disordered eating, weight obsession, exercise dependency and insecurity. I wrestled them all. Satan told me the same lie he told Sydney, that my legs were too big. And that one thought ignited a firestorm of body image issues that continued for decades. I am frightened for you to know the details of my struggle, like the fact I still sometimes hide candy wrappers in the trash can instead of placing them on the top. It might disturb you to know how badly I wished I could throw up after binge eating. You may be turned off to hear that I fight hard not to walk into a room full of women and mentally divide them into two categories, thinner than me and not thinner than me. I share my secrets not to humiliate myself but with the hope that my honesty will help others know they aren't alone. Because truth is, those of us who struggle often feel like we are the only ones trapped in the crazy land of body worry. For that reason, if you talk about it. I find it hard to talk about sometimes too. Writing seems easier, so I started a blog. I found the more I wrote about my personal struggle, the more emails I would receive that said, thank you, I thought I was the only one who had thoughts like this. Eventually, I titled my blog, Compared to Who? For all of my badge-carrying friends in the grammar police, I know you'd rather read Compared to Whom. I'm sorry. It just sounded too uppity. As I began to write more on the topic and speak with women about body image issues directly, I noticed a common theme. Their body image struggles seem to stem from comparison's bite. Comparison is absolutely silly. 
Comparison lies to us. It never regards the truth. It leaves out important details about age, lifestyle, genetics, ethnicity, and oh, like a million other important facts when it tells us we should look different. I think of a woman I met through the blog last year named Whitney. She's ethnically, genetically, and regionally, she lives in the Northeast, predisposed to having pale skin. Yet comparison sneaked in and whispered, you aren't beautiful. You are too white, like Casper the Friendly Ghost. That's ugly. I've also brawled against comparison's ridiculous jabs. Many other women do too. I know this because some women lack a filter between their mind and their mouth and have clued me in to the otherwise secret struggle. It happened as I waited for my daughter's dance class to finish. Moms aren't actually allowed in the dance studio because here in Texas, we take our kindergartners' extracurricular activities very seriously. Having moms inside the classes would be dangerous. Think Lifetime Channel's Dance Moms. So instead, we sit in the small waiting room during the 45-minute class, and because making conversation is so 1997, everyone stares at their phones. Right before class ended, the studio door opened. Every head popped up from its screen-slumped position, expecting to see a line of six-year-old girls exit the room. But instead, an older girl, one of the dance studio's helpers, walked out and closed the studio door behind her. As this lone girl maneuvered her way through the gaggle of waiting moms, she got a few stares. She wore a bright sports bra type tank top and black spandex dance shorts. She had a cute little body for a soon-to-be preteen, and everyone noticed. Or at least one woman did. The front door had barely shut behind her when one of the moms, the one without a filter, loudly asked the crowd, Did you see her abs? We all had. Her sculpted core looked magazine perfect but she was barely 10. Her skin had never stretched so that her entire abdominal region could reorganize to accommodate a growing baby, or four in my case. We were a group of moms, and this girl, she had likely just finished the third grade. The third grade. No one responded. So this mom, who obviously worked out and was some sort of abs aficionado, just kept talking. Wow, I wish my stomach looked like that. Crickets. Then she involved her own little girl, whom I guessed to be maybe five years old. While patting her daughter's belly, she made the following statement about the child. She doesn't have any abs at all. Too stunned to say anything, I stared at her blankly. At least I hope my expression appeared blank and didn't reveal what I really thought. Did a grown woman really just covet a 10-year-old's abdominal muscles out loud? She first compared her body, a full-grown woman who carried and birthed the child she had in tow, with that of a pre-tween girl. Then she taught her daughter how to do the same, with an appropriate amount of dissatisfaction. Comparison? It's silly. So there you have it, friends. That is the introduction and chapter one, all available for free download on my website. If you want to read it instead of just hearing it, or if you want to share it with a friend, you can do that through my website, compared2.me. But that's it. So I hope this is maybe piqued your curiosity or wet your taste buds for more of the book in it. I talk about my story. I share my lifelong struggle with comparison in more detail than I share um, anywhere else. 
And I also give you five practical steps for working your way out of body image issues. Uh, A lot of people have written me and told me how helpful the book has been. And I know that even if this isn't an issue you struggle with yourself, there's probably someone in your life, someone you love, someone you know who struggles with this deeply. So I would just encourage you, hey, it's a holiday season. Maybe this would be a great Christmas gift for someone in your life who's having this struggle. Another thing I wanted to recommend is the New Year's coming up, and a lot of women around you are going to be talking about starting a new diet, a new exercise plan. They're going to be lamenting how they look after holiday eating, all those sorts of things. Well, one way that you may be able to encourage some of your friends and those around you is by starting a book club. Maybe you could do it at your church or just do it in your home. Invite a few women over, grab a couple copies of the book, and just talk about the content. Friends, if you are already feeling more freedom, the best thing you can do to feel even more freedom, to grow, and to help yourself stay free is to share what you know, what you've learned with someone else who is still struggling. I promise you, this is biblical. This is how we're supposed to do discipleship. And in this area, I have seen over and again that the women who stay free are the women who have learned the way out and then shared what they have learned with someone else. So grab a couple copies of the book. If you need like 10 or so, I can talk to my publisher about getting you a discount. So just send me an email. But I would love to see Compared to Who groups start up all over the country to see women set free from body image and comparison issues. There's really no reason why we should be held back by the way we feel we look. It's all perception and really the spiritual root of it is what will help you find freedom. So check out the book on Amazon, christianbook.com normally has a good deal too, but check out the book and I hope that you will read it or share it with someone you love this holiday season. Well, that's all for season two of the podcast. That's a wrap, but I hope that you will come back and join us for season three. Three, I'm going to be interviewing lots of what I like to call real women who are going to share their real stories about comparison and body image issues and how they found hope. So I hope that'll be an encouragement to you. The new season will start in January. And if you haven't already, I would just be blessed if you would consider leaving a review of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great new year.
I am frightened for you to know the details of my struggle. Like the fact I still sometimes hide candy wrappers in the trash can instead of placing them on the top. It might disturb you to know how badly I wished I could throw up after binge eating. You may be turned off to hear that I fight hard not to walk into a room full of women and mentally divide them into two categories, thinner than me and not thinner than me. I share my secrets not to humiliate myself, but with the hope that my honesty will help others know they aren't alone. Because truth is, those of us who struggle often feel like we are the only ones trapped in the crazy land of body worry. For that reason, few talk about it. I find it hard to talk about sometimes too. Writing seems easier, so I started a blog. I found the more I wrote about my personal struggle, the more emails I would receive that said, thank you, I thought I was the only one who had thoughts like this. Eventually, I titled my blog, Compared to Who? For all of my badge-carrying friends in the grammar police, I know you'd rather read Compared to Whom. I'm sorry, it just sounded too uppity. As I began to write more on the topic and speak with women about body image issues directly, I noticed a common theme. Their body image struggles seem to stem from comparison's bite. Comparison is absolutely silly. Comparison lies to us. It never regards the truth. It leaves out important details about age, lifestyle, genetics, ethnicity, and oh, like a million other important facts when it tells us we should look different. I think of a woman I met through the blog last year named Whitney. She's ethnically, genetically, and regionally, she lives in the Northeast, predisposed to having pale skin. Yet comparison sneaked in and whispered, you aren't beautiful. You are too white. Like Casper the Friendly Ghost. That's ugly. I've also brawled against comparison's ridiculous jabs. Many other women do too. I know this because some women lack a filter between their mind and their mouth and have clued me in to the otherwise secret struggle. It happened as I waited for my daughter's dance class to finish. Moms aren't actually allowed in the dance studio because here in Texas, we take our kindergartners' extracurricular activities very seriously. Having moms inside the classes would be dangerous. Think Lifetime Channel's Dance Moms. So instead, we sit in this small waiting room during the 45-minute class, and because making conversation is so 1997, everyone stares at their phones. Right before class ended, the studio door opened. Every head popped up from its screen-slumped position, expecting to see a line of six-year-old girls exit the room. But instead, an older girl, one of the dance studio's helpers, walked out and closed the studio door behind her. As this lone girl maneuvered her way through the gaggle of waiting moms, she got a few stares. She wore a bright sports bra type tank top and black spandex dance shorts. She had a cute little body for a soon-to-be preteen, and everyone noticed. Or at least one woman did. The front door had barely shut behind her when one of the moms, the one without a filter, loudly asked the crowd, Did you see her abs? We all had. Her sculpted core looked magazine perfect. But she was barely 10. Her skin had never stretched so that her entire abdominal region could reorganize to accommodate a growing baby, or four in my case. We were a group of moms, and this girl, she had likely just finished the third grade. The third grade. No one responded. So this mom, who obviously worked out and was some sort of abs aficionado, just kept talking. Wow, I wish my stomach looked like that. Crickets. Then she involved her own little girl, whom I guessed to be maybe five years old. While patting her daughter's belly, she made the following statement about the child. 
She doesn't have any abs at all. Too stunned to say anything, I stared at her blankly. At least I hope my expression appeared blank and didn't reveal what I really thought. Did a grown woman really just covet a 10-year-old's abdominal muscles out loud? She first compared her body, a full-grown woman who carried and birthed the child she had in tow, with that of a pre-tween girl. Then she taught her daughter how to do the same, with an appropriate amount of dissatisfaction. Comparison? It's silly. So there you have it, friends. That is the introduction and chapter one, all available for free download on my website. If you want to read it instead of just hearing it, or if you want to share it with a friend, you can do that through my website, compared2.me. But that's it. So I hope this has maybe piqued your curiosity or wet your taste buds for more of the book. In it, I talk about my story. I share my lifelong struggle with comparison in more detail than I share um, anywhere else. And I also give you five practical steps for working your way out of body image issues. Uh, A lot of people have written me and told me how helpful the book has been. And I know that even if this isn't an issue you struggle with yourself, there's probably someone in your life, someone you love, someone you know, who struggles with this deeply. So I would just encourage you, hey, it's a holiday season. Maybe this would be a great Christmas gift for someone in your life who's having this struggle. Another thing I wanted to recommend is the new year's coming up and a lot of women around you are going to be talking about starting a new diet, a new exercise plan. They're going to be lamenting how they look after holiday eating, all those sorts of things. Well, one way that you may be able to encourage some of your friends and those around you is by starting a book club. Maybe you could do it at your church or just do it in your home. Invite a few women over, grab a couple copies of the book, and just talk about the content. Friends, if you are already feeling more freedom, the best thing you can do to feel even more freedom, to grow, and to help yourself stay free is to share what you know, what you've learned with someone else who is still struggling. I promise you, this is biblical. This is how we're supposed to do discipleship. And in this area, I have seen over and again that the women who stay free are the women who have learned the way out and then shared what they have learned with someone else. So grab a couple copies of the book. If you need like 10 or so, I can talk to my publisher about getting you a discount. So just send me an email. But I would love to see compared to who groups start up all over the country to see women set free from body image and comparison issues. There's really no reason why we should be held back by the way we feel we look. It's all perception and really the spiritual root of it is what will help you find freedom. So check out the book on Amazon, christianbook.com normally has a good deal too, but check out the book and I hope that you will read it or share it with someone you love this holiday season. Well, that's all for season two of the podcast. That's a wrap, but I hope that you will come back and join us for season three. I'm going to be interviewing lots of what I like to call real women who are going to share their real real stories about comparison and body image issues and how they found hope. So I hope that'll be an encouragement to you. The new season will start in January. And if you haven't already, I would just be blessed if you would consider leaving a review of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great new year. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. 
Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.